that there? Who is it? Who is, who is out of there? Only a lunatic could be out on such a storm. Yes? just wanted to mention about the response to uh, the recent episode uh, in which I interviewed Dirk Maggs. It was extremely well received and um, I got lots, well we both got lots and lots of uh, lovely messages on Twitter and on Facebook and I just wanted to um, read out one in particular just because it uh, it just... (laughs) It's messages like this and it's support like this that makes doing this podcast so worthwhile. It's actually from the Goodies podcast Twitter account. Now, I think, I'm assuming that that is uh, the gentleman known as Jeffers. And Jeffers uh, is um, is the chap behind uh, the new Filthy Rich and Cat Flap podcast. Uh, podcaster Cat Flapper, so check that out. Um, but yeah, so uh, he sent this lovely message on Twitter the goon pods are consistently great, but this chat with Dirk Mags is genuinely one of the most enjoyable podcast interviews I've ever listened to, which might number over a thousand by now. Entertaining, informative, heartwarming, funny. Bloody hell, take a bow. Well, I am. I'm, I am recording this from the bowing position. So thank you for that. And thank you to everyone who sent, uh, as I say, lovely messages of uh, support for that episode and for others. Um, so, yes. Many more to come. Anyway, let's get into the conversation with uh, with Molly, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. What's the youngest person you've had on this podcast? Okay, um, thirty five. Okay, I am officially the youngest person who's been on this podcast. Right. I am twenty four. I'm about oh to go twenty five. <laughs> well, so okay. First question, obviously. So. You've joined me today to talk about a particular goon show. So, how did you come to discover the goon show? Well, I've always kind of—I'm not sure whether it's because I'm a child of slightly older parents or whether I don't know, just happened. I've always been kind of a fan of um, old media, anyway, like shown various like old sitcoms and stuff. I'm I'm 
I'm wearing a Laurel and Hardy shirt right now. I'm, I'm a bit of an old, old media fan. But the Goon Show happened because, weirdly, my mum's car had a cassette tape player in it. It was, you know, um, and occasionally we'd just go through some charity shops and, like, for, like, you know, when I was a teenager, kind of just, and just find, and while she was, like, ferries to and from school, just find, like, tapes and stuff to play on drive up. And I can't remember whether she found it or whether I, I can't remember anyway it somehow ended up in the car this the two the set of like the double episode sets yeah mm-hmm. I think it had you know that he's fallen in the water I think it was that that specific one mm. and string robberies was I th- I'm pretty sure it was the first I listened to okay then I listened to a load of them got you know really loved them and then after a couple of years kind of discovered the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series, fell in love with it massively. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the entire reason. <laughs> we had Dirk Mags on a couple of episodes ago because that's yes. the Hitchhiker's radio series is kind of the reason why I pursued writing as a career because it was like discovering the radio show and then the books. And then I kind of didn't listen to The Goon Show for a while. It was kind of in the back of my head. And then about... Six months ago, I came across Goon Pod and thought, and because I was listening, looking for podcasts and stuff to listen to, because you know, working from home, self-employed, and then I just listened to it and I thought, I need to listen to the Goon Show again. Oh. And so it's been re-catching up on old episodes that you've covered, and I, you know, like ones I remember listening to. I think Stringer Rob is probably the latest one yeah. I've listened to in terms of timeline because sure. Yeah, so, I'm so, a big Laurel and Hardy fan, but I haven't for the similar reason. I haven't list, I haven't watched all of their films because I think I'm 25 now. If I watch them all now, and I listen to them all now, I'm going to not have anything new. Which is the problem with being an old media fan is that there is a finite amount. There is. So I want to just take my time <laughs> with them. <laughs> well, when you reach the age of 48, I mean, God knows what it's going to be like in 20 plus years for you. Oh, but God. Um, I, I'm at the age now where. I have so much stuff, um, both physical media and digital media, that I don't think I could physically watch or listen to it all in my life, the rest of my lifetime. Oh my God, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, hey, look, I'm really touched that I've, in some small way, performed a service and reintroduced you to the goons. I don't know if I completely forgotten about them, but I just kind of just not listened to it in a while. And like, basically rediscovering this, because I was, like 13 14 when I first listened to them and like I haven't really known about like the history of the Goon Show so recently I've kind of stumbled across the Gordian knot that is uh Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan (laughs) all their their, all their their stuff yeah yeah uh obviously you heard the this Goon Show tape in in your mum's car that was your first exposure to the goons but Mm -hmm. had you ever had any sort of exposure to Milligan or Sellers or, or Seekham or even Benteen before that? Not Benteen. I haven't actually listened to any Benteen. They even exist. Mm. I, can't, I don't think any. Do any exist? There's um, there's about two or three. Yeah. They're, not, they're, they're pretty atrocious quality. <laughs> but no, Benteen's complete, complete. Enigma. Only, uh, complete enigma. Uh, complete enigma. Um, but the others I kind of come across in a way that I didn't really know who they were before. Like, Peter Sellers is like, I think I saw him first when I watched The Lady Killers. Mm. But again, 
he was just like a person in the movie. I didn't really think, oh, that's Peter Sellers. I didn't know who he was. And like, obviously I knew about Pink Panther, but in that way that all kids are seeing Pink Panther as a cartoon. And then yeah. after the opening, they go, why is this man? It <laughs> <laughs> was this person. Um, Spike, I first saw at, in that scene in Life of Brian, where oh, he yes. just turns up, rambles and walks off. And my mum was like, that's Spike Milligan. I'm like, I don't know who that is. But, um, oh, I read the Ning Nang Nong in school yeah but again that's really vague and harry seacombe i'm really the only person here who has not seen highway oh okay <laughs> i didn't know anything about highway until you started talking about it and i was just like, i don't know what highway is um but i saw him first in all um oh. as as the man who says more you know mr mr bumble yes mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think <laughs> internationally, I think that's what he's known for. Yeah, it is. To be fair, um, I mean, I mean, he, he probably would have liked. He probably would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the one of the. If we ex- if we exclude Bentine, he's certainly the the. Uh, he has less of an international profile. I mean, Milligan doesn't have that huge of a international footprint, although he's very popular to this day in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Um, mm. He kind of. He didn't really. I mean, he he's obviously in that episode of the Muppet Show, but that was filmed in the, in, in the UK. Yeah, um, and he's been in, like you say, Life of Brian, which obviously would have had um, US audiences, but he's never been. He never really crossed over into the US. Yeah. Whereas Sellers, I wish, did. I wish Harris could have been on the Muppet Show just so we could have had that, that trio of episodes. Oh, that would have been lovely. He would have been great. He would have. He would have sung a bit. Well, yeah, because they had Bruce Forsyth on. Yeah, yeah. So Harry would have been great, just blowing raspberries and. Oh, um, he he would have he would have loved it. I'm just <laughs> sad that we didn't get that in the alternative yeah. universe. That would be nice. Well, I, I think Sellers went on was on because just by virtue, because you know he was such a big star at the time, late seventies. Milligan, mm. Milligan, I think, kind of pulled some strings because he was very keen to to be on. Yeah, so so well. By the time you would have been five, the, the, all three of them would would be sadly no more. Uh, yeah, and it was before I even knew who they were. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another question I tend to ask uh, new guests when we talk about goon shows. I know you don't. You've not listened to them all, but when you do listen to them, do you skip the the Galdring and the Allington numbers, or do you? Do you... <laughs> I was waiting for this question. Um, it depends. When I first listen to the episode, I, I do, I sit through and listen to them because sometimes the Geldro is really quite, I like them and some, sometimes they're a bit, some, but and the Ray Ellington ones I usually enjoy because they're, they're nice. But then when I'm re-listening, just like I'm just listening casually and it, it's an episode I've heard before and I'm not particularly fussed about that particular music act, I'll skip over. Mm-hmm. But it depends on the mood. Sometimes, you know, like, Sometimes I like, yeah, I'll just listen to them, just let it play, just enjoy, enjoy the music. But no, I don't go, oh, this again, skip over. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's let's start talking about the string robberies because right. um so is this I guess this is your favorite show by virtue of it was what the first one you heard, more or less. Weirdly, like I have a real soft spot for it because it was the first one. And I remember some of the things I was thinking when I first heard it. I have other favorites. Like I have ones I just listen to on repeat because I just really love them. Like um, weirdly, the sinking of the Westminster Pier I really like. Oh, okay. 
Okay, <laughs> so that's the um, the debut of the Fred the Oyster sound effect. Which is yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But um, I also love, you know, Jenny Batter Pudding Hurler. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> that's the one I usually give people when they say, oh, well, this is a game show. I'm like, try this one. <laughs> yes. It just has that element to it that it's like, you don't, it's not like, the string Robbies is a little bit more like, I don't know, it's like, I suppose it's all right to listen to as a first one, but... Yeah, it, I mean, it's got it's got that sequence, and we'll come to it in a bit in more detail. It's got the sequence where uh, Seagoon and the two uh, Scottish policemen are looking at the string with the gap in the middle and the gap yeah. at the ends and the bits that have, and that is a nice little bit of um, business that um, I can't remember. And apologies to whoever it was. Um, it's just come to me now. Somebody, well, a former guest, I think, mentioned that that you know that sequence could actually rival the. Um, dreaded what time is it echo sequence that I find so tiresome um, that's rather resurfaced in memory I was in secondary school around the same time I discovered the goon show and for some reason I think it was discussing some kind of literary element or something they and my English teacher played what time is echoes like the animated yeah. se segment yeah. with the bizarre Rube Goldberg machine that they played it's this animated thing I'm not sure where it's from it's from um the uh, heroes of comedy documentary from the late 90s uh, mm. i really like the animation there it's those like that's how i picture apples and move off all. yes <laughs> I, just, I like those and all the rest of the you could tell the rest of the class were going what the hell is this because obviously you know it mm. requires you mm. can't it's funny but also you kind of uh, the reaction of the audience you kind of need to know who the characters are before why they're overreacting to a little boy saying, what time is it, Eccles? Because, you know, mm -hmm. and, but then I was sat in the front, you know, I was, I was sat in the classroom going, oh my God, I know exactly what this is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. It must be, it'd be incomprehensible. Not completely incomprehensible. If you no, it, but... it's funny, but like the opening's a bit like, why is the audience applauding? Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. What fresh hell is this? <laughs> so, Okay, so the string robberies is mm -hmm. it's one of my it is one of my favorites. I, I listen it's to really this good. regularly. Um, it's an interesting one to talk about just in terms of the background to it and and what was done to it actually. So it's from it's from series eight. We've not covered a lot of series eight episodes. In fact, I think we've only covered uh, the man who never was. That's the only one. At series mm. eight is um, generally considered to be one of the weaker, or possibly the weakest series mm. that exists, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it, it, and it, I mean, there's some real solid gold episodes in it, but it 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 um, went through producers and it chopped and changed produ producers, which I'll, I'll come to in a minute. Mm. And every second week they were recording. Uh, an episode, an old episode re revised for the Vintage Goons uh, series. Which I yeah. always think is a, such a bizarre title. Some In the 50s, making something called Vintage when it yes. was like a couple of years, just, just a couple of years had gone by when technically, <laughs> I would say Goons is vintage now. <laughs> yeah. They were never intended to be broadcast in the UK, those episodes. They were for overseas radio oh, stations, ra overseas sales. However, a bunch of them were actually broadcast prior to the beginning of season, of series nine. Um, mm. And there was a few that remained unbroadcast up until, I think the latest one, late 80s, early 90s, I think. Oh, wow. 
the the mustard and cress shortage uh, was yeah. recorded the same night as the string robberies. And oh, was it? Yeah, and that that's was- interesting because I like that episode as well. My my favorite my favorite joke in it is, you know the. Oi, miss. Hey, did you hear me? Guy for a cup of tea. I say. Do you want to buy a sausage roll? No. Well, stop banging it on the counter then. <laughs> You want a sausage roll? Stop banging oh, yes. it on the camera. Yes. <laughs> I think that one was actually broadcast in the UK for the first time in around, I want to say, 94, because I oh, remember wow. taping it. But uh, I might be wrong. I haven't got the episode details to hand at the moment. But uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, so so because of the fact that, you know, um, Sp- Spike wasn't really in a particularly happy place um, during S- Series 8 because mm. Pat Dixon, who'd been their producer for most of series seven um the last sort of few of series six series seven um pat dixon spike really really got on with and really uh, respected essentially okay um pat was ill basically he wasn't he wasn't uh, he just wasn't really up to producing at that time yeah um, but he had always been pat pat had always been a champion of the goon show and he'd helped he'd really been instrumental in helping to get it you know off the ground in the first place and and yeah. um grease the wheels of the bbc hmm. um so for for series eight they had um roy spear as producer for a while and then he he became ill roy spear oh. quite severely ill and oh, he, no. in fact he was hospitalized roy spear oh. um these days is probably chiefly remembered as being um, key to an anecdote that Peter Sellers told on an episode of Parkinson. Oh. Because um, Peter Sellers famously got um, his first job at the BBC by. Oh, the phone call, wasn't it? Yeah, by ringing Roy Spear, who was a radio producer. Oh, that was him. Oh, God. Mm. Yes. So that was back in 47, 48. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, so Roy Spear you know he 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 produced a few of the series eight shows um and then charles chilton but there was a lot of chopping and changing when roy was unable to do any more they bought the bbc appointed um a producer called tom ronald um yes a guy i heard his name from me in credits just listening to it recently and going that's a new one <laughs> yeah i think he only did two two or three at the most um and he he was quite hostile to the goon show in general. Yeah. he didn't like the goons at all mm. okay and i think that that kind of comes across now if you listen to this episode of the string robberies um you know i'd i'd heard the transcription services edited version for the longest yeah. time that was the one that i had and and there's some to, to my ear there's some very clear edit points oh very much is there is there only one kind of there are various audio versions of various episodes is there only one for this one or is there a couple <clears throat> there's the, the the version that was restored which was the original broadcast version right which, which i have listened to now okay um and there was the edited version or versions which went out mostly to overseas radio stations in mm-hmm. the late 50s into the 60s and and, right. and so on so, so I was, so I'm used to these edited versions and the, yeah, the, the, I listen to them through BBC sounds and I don't know what okay. versions they use. I, th- 
I'm not sure. I haven't listened to the BBC Sounds version, but I'm assuming it's probably the the edited version. But this, as I said, there's some there's some very clear edit points that you can hear. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And and I'm thinking and I'm and I was thinking, you know, I've got the broadcast, I've got the restored version that is on the Goon Show Compendium, which was restored by Ted Kendall. And um, and I was thinking, okay, so this is going to be great because there's so there's those clear edit points that I'm so used to. I'm sure that, you know, the bits that were cut out will be put back in. And I'm listening to this restored version and no, <laughs> most of the edit points are still there. It still oh sounds, God. it still sounds these very clunky um, edits, you know? Yeah. I can think of two particular ones. Yeah. Well, the I've, very I've... beginning where he says, we need to find two pieces of string, you know, stand on your head. That just before that, there's a big. Yeah. Yeah. big gap and then there's a bit where they're talking with me and minnie and henry and then suddenly minnie and henry run away that's right they go off in the in the house don't they the house yes that's... and there seems to be no reason for it more yes. so than normal <laughs> well you get the feeling so tom uh, tom ronald has obviously put these shows together and in fact before i go on to that let's just give a little bit of uh, background um, String Rubberies Series 8, as I say, episode 16, broadcast 13th of January 1958. Um, and Spike has, you know, Spike is sole scriptwriter on this. And he submitted the, the script a couple of days before it was due to be recorded. And on the script that he submitted, someone has written, really, this is too much. Does Spike think we could possibly pass this? Has not the time arrived for a straight talk? Okay. Now we're not sure. It's not clear who wrote that, but presumably it was the producer Tom Ronald. Okay. <laughs> that should be like the the, the tagline for the game. Like, really, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, when they came to record the show, there were lots of Tom Ronald uh, insisted on lots of uh, alterations or cuts to the script. And if you actually, if you read the original the original script as spike submitted it mm -hmm. there are there are yeah there's there's a few there's quite a few what i would call borderline smutty or innuendo laden gags okay um possibly possibly not more than in any other goon show of the period there were a, f a few lines that possibly you know the the blue pencil rightfully would have gone through in terms of getting rid of that from the script yeah. but it, it would appear that he just ripped out so much from the script and made a lot of edits from what was actually recorded. And um, and Spike Milligan, when he actually heard the show broadcast, so it was recorded on the Sunday, the, what would it have been, the 12th? And it was broadcast the following evening. And Spike heard it the, on the, you know, on the, the Monday night. And yeah. he, was, he was outraged um because he and he wrote to the bbc he wrote to uh jim davidson not not that one um <laughs> jim, jim davidson who was a guy who was the assistant head of light entertainment for, yeah. for radio and and spike wrote this letter saying uh despite an agreement on what was to be in and what was to be out when the goon show came out nearly all of what was agreed to leave in had been cut out of course it had. Um, and, he, and he specifically mentioned uh, the gag about when uh, William uh, tells Seagoon that there's a house outside to see him. Uh, as recorded, Seagoon says, um, house, male or female? To which William replies, 
I couldn't tell it had the blinds drawn, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, so they recorded that. And uh, it would seem that Spike had argued with Tom uh, Ronald that it should be, you know, that line should be left in, it should be kept. And presumably Tom agreed, but then obviously cut it out. Mm. Um, and yeah, so uh, it, it was not a happy uh, episode. And no. um, the actual transcription services discs that were sent out to radio stations all over the world, each show would have its own little synopsis. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll just read this one and I'll explain why. Um, so it says the string robberies. Only a detective of the highest caliber could deduce that a piece of string holding up Moriarty's sock is the missing link in the notorious string robberies. Neddy Seagoon, the arch criminal investigator, is assisted in his inquiries by, among others, two new arrivals from the Far East, Mr. Banerjee and Mr. Laukaka. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the reasons why they would have these synopses for these, you know, for these discs that they sent out was that um, I mentioned their two characters, Mr. Banerjee and Mr. Laukaka. Are you aware of who they are? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they, were they new for this episode? Not quite. They, they, they appeared or ver versions of them appeared in the episode, the red fort um, right. with slightly different names. Um, but this was the first episode that they were, actually identified as Mr. Banerjee and Mr. Lalkaka. Okay. Yes. No, I know. I know. I know. I know about them. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of have a, yeah, and I kind of a love hate kind of, it's poorly aged, but uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> that kind of noise. Like I said, I'm not, not saying, Oh no, you should cut them out and they'd be forever consigned to, to his design. I, you know, you can listen to it and just go, okay, yeah, it was, it, you know, Spike was raised in India and it was the 50s. and <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and um, they do have quite an extensive um, sequence in the string robberies. Yeah, it's quite a good sequence. Funny, a lot of their stuff it is funny. It's just the accents, I think, it's and the fact that they're Indian make it a problem. But if it was another character doing it, the gag would still land like a lot of the as in the ones i've heard at least they they like this whole dark room sequence it yes. is really good yeah and there's that fluff isn't there um yeah oh spike loves his loves, loves his fluff. <laughs> there's a couple of, <laughs> there's a couple of fluffs in this episode which are oh great. yeah and well look, if you the thing is okay we, we've seen with the simpsons that apu uh up until what five years ago Oh, I was, don't know. Was you know portrayed by a um, okay a Latino uh, American Latino actor. Um, yeah. But you know, ostensibly, you know, he was not being um, he was an Indian character, not being voiced by an Indian, uh, yeah. authentic Indian. So you know, it's only recently, really, that. Um, oh yeah, it's been it's been quite a sharp. I mean, no wonder there's been kind of a bit of you know like backlash from older generations because it's been relatively recently that we've kind of gone all right <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I i don't like blame all the people you know like people of a certain generation from going oh for god's sake you know <laughs> that's it's right been very very recent i can understand both sides in a way 
or both, oh, yeah. both arguments. But I think you just it just comes down to judgment. It just comes down to common sense. And and I, I, that synopsis um, that I that I read out before. So it it clearly um, highlights two characters, the two Indian characters in it. And that was partly done so that if there were any radio stations, bear in mind this was going all over the world, any radio mm-hmm. stations who um, felt that their um, audience might be a little bit uh, hostile or a bit sensitive about hearing yeah. those characters, they wouldn't necessarily need to play that episode because those characters featured, yeah. you know? And th- that was very progressive thinking. For oh the my God, 50s. like, I'm I'm constantly just, like, amazed. Because obviously I like old media, so obviously, you know, when you watch old media, you kind of have to take, you know, the badly aged and just kind of just accept it. But then you start to do research and you realise that, you know, this was the 50s and they had a, you know, the one black cast member read those particular characters rather than just get a white guy to do yeah. like an offensive accent. And also the conductor was a um well, at the time closeted trans woman. Like, you know, you read and you go, oh wow, like yep. <laughs> oh wow, these, you know, like it's like it's badly aged, but not as badly aged as it could be, like in terms of certain things and other times it has aged amazingly. Yeah. That's that's very, very that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, and the string robbies, by the way, one thing I meant to mention was that uh, the script was in, published in the Book of the Goons um, from 1974. Um, I don't tend to necessarily, when we're talking about Goon Show episodes, I don't tend to go through them scene by scene. I don't really intend to do that here necessarily. But yeah. I think for because of this, because of the nature of what happened with this show in terms of the cuts and, and whatnot, I just think it'd be yeah. interesting just to, to go through it in sequence. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, we start with... Um, uh, Peter Sellers doing an Australian accent, which um, I don't know why. I, I'm, yeah, it's it's very bizarre. They, they have no like, there's no name for that character. It's not like someone just turns up occasionally. It's just he just decides to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that um, Milligan's family or parents and his brother, I think, at the same time, that it went to Australia, emigrated um, um, around this time. I'd like to say probably 50 late 50s 57 something mm. like that um i'm not sure at that point if spike had actually been out there on, on a, you know to visit uh, i know he certainly went over there after series eight but we have the bit we have the we have the sequence where sellers as grit pipe thin says the string robbery started very simply with a man saying right and then it in the script, it's Moriarty who says, my socks keep coming down, but it's not Moriarty, is it? No, it's Eccles. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. He just turns up and then just goes away. <laughs> and the thing is, right, it is meant to be Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense for the scene. Now, this is where we assume that they must have recorded the next the next bit because there's this, there's this little dialogue between Grip Pipe and Moriarty where Grip Pipe says, uh, Gad, you've got hoarfrost on the ankle. And, mm. and Moriarty says, is it dangerous? And Grip Pipe says, if it, if it kills you, yes, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I mean, the script is out there if people want to look it up. Um, but Tom Ronald has just cut all that bit out. So we get the bit with Eccles saying, my socks keep coming frost. Maybe it was the whore frost. <laughs> Maybe it was the whore. Maybe. Yeah. Sounds um, like the BBC in the 50s. <laughs> So we get we get Eccles saying my socks keep coming down. Next thing we hear, very clunky jump to grip pipe saying we must try and obtain a certain amount of cheap string. The string robberies started very simply 
with a man saying, My socks keep coming down. <laughs> you must try and obtain a certain amount of cheap string. Uh, what will I do till then? Um, Time being, keep so, your socks up with the famous... Yeah, I just don't man. really uh, know why that bit was cut head. for a kickoff. Very um, strange. Here's the thing as well. There's no consistency because we then get uh, Seagoon introduced and he's at Edinburgh Station and there's a, a loud, fast jet of steam and you get flower dew mm. screeching that there should be a law against trains letting off steam when people are wearing kilts, which to me is more suggestive. Oh my God, yeah. It's, a light, well, it's, it's not really suggestive, but it's like more so than what they just cut. <laughs> um, the last goon pod where we've discussed an actual Goon Show episode was uh, Wings Over Dagenham. Oh. And uh, that featured uh, quite prominently the uh, trombonist George Chisholm in a, in a guest role as... Um, right. I haven't listened to either that episode or your episode on it. Like, so okay. I don't know. And it, I, I, was, I was, when I heard uh, Greenslade doing the outro to the... I'm not sure if they called it an outro. But... Yeah. <laughs> but um, and he said George Chisholm. I was like, I don't know who that is. And I was trying to think if I heard any voices, random, like heard any different, like you know, oh, like okay. I've forgotten her name, Charlotte, Charlotte Mitchell, Charlotte Mitchell. Why ever she was on the show? <laughs> There's over random rumors, but anyway. But um, but I was trying to think if there are any guest voices I didn't recognize, but I couldn't think of anyone. I don't know who he was. So George Chisholm was in the band, was was part of the orchestra, and he played. Right. He was a very, uh, very celebrated trombonist. Okay. Um, but he was also a um, good friend of the cast, good friend of the goons, and mm -hmm. he would occasionally be drafted in to do the odd line or whatever. Um, and he's he's very Scottish, okay? And he would play on this, his Scottishness. Right. And in Wings Over Dagenham, he played a character called Mick Chisholm, who was an assistant to Seagoon, okay? Um, now, he turns up in this episode as uh, Sergeant, well, I think he's Sergeant Mick Chisholm, and he's the um, he's the one who says, "You see, I'm a ventriloquist. I throw my voice sometimes from my knee, oh, sometimes from my right. shin. That one, yeah." I didn't honestly. I could not tell if that was Spike or maybe Peter, but it didn't really sound like Peter Sellers. But I, I thought it's a bit too not Spike for, to be Spike. I didn't really think about it. So that makes a lot of sense that that's just a different person. Yeah, well, well, Sellers as a, Sellers plays a Scotsman very shortly, and yeah. you have this 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 three-way conversation between uh, Mick Chisholm, Seagoon, and the uh, Scottish inspector that Sellers yeah. plays. And, we, and then we get to the sequence, which I've touched on before, where they, they uh, are talking about a piece of string on the table and the bits that are missing. And it's quite convoluted. I'll put the clip in here. See that piece of string on the table? Yes, what's that space in the middle? That's the piece that's missing. So... Now that's what a piece of missing string looks like, eh? Where's it gone? Ah, but wait. <laughs> Can't you see, you, you poor Scottish fool? It's all, it's all a practical joke. <laughs> Someone's cut that string in the center, pulled the two pieces in opposite directions, giving the impression that a piece had been removed from the middle. Harry Gringler, she's right. Oh, fish too. If you put these two pieces together, the gap disappears. Aye, but did you notice when you did that, the two outside ends got shorter? God. God, Chisholm's right. 
Now I see what happened. What cunning! <laughs> the criminal cut a piece off each end, then cut across the middle and pulled them apart, making the string look the original length. Oh, dear. This makes it a baffling case. Aye, yes. Instead of one piece, we're looking for two separate ends. <laughs> it's a good job I can count. <laughs> we must start investigations at one... And then we get to Henry and Minnie, and there's a lot of looking at what was in the script and what what actually was recorded or at least went out. Um, there's a lot of ad libbing, as I'm sure. Of course, there is. Um, <laughs> um, there's the line that Tom Ronald cut where, well, there's the bit where Henry. We, we first hear Henry, and he's calling for men. He's calling Minnie. And you hear you hear Minnie sort of off say you calling me Henry, and Henry says yes. Hurry up, I'm next. Now, did you understand what that meant? I. It could mean various. I don't know for sure. I'm not sure whether it was something to do with the bathroom or whether yeah. it was like yeah. He's waiting to use the toilet. Yeah, I thought I thought so, but I was thinking, or it could be, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's uh, the bit. So he says, hurry up, I'm next. And then in the script, Minnie says, I haven't finished yet. OK. <laughs> and, and, and Tom, old Tom, obviously thought, oh, no, that's too, that's far too suggestive. Can't so, have if we using the toilet on radio. No, cut that out. But um, and then they have a, a whole sort of routine talking about cigarettes and herbal tobacco, which kind of has it. The way she was, it, um, Milligan was sort of inhaling this cigarette. It was, it was almost yeah. like, you, you know, he was um, rolling a reefer or something. Min's got a new frock, um, which turns out to be a sack dress. And she says she got off the coal man. And in the script, uh, Henry says, you mean he's walking around naked? And Minnie says, yes, that's why his prices are so high. Um, That got cut. (laughs) I mean, the joke is funny even without that, but that just makes it funnier. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Because it it turns it from like a bit of a cheap pun to like a more expanded joke. (laughs) And then we get the bit that I think is fantastic. A, a great bit of um, thinking on his feet by Milligan when, um, when, when Crun and Minnie are just ad-libbing, basically. They're just wittering onto each other. And then, yeah. Crun, and then Crun remembers, or Selig remembers the script. Now, nothing. Let's get down to the fire station. To the police station. <laughs> it, it makes the same, Henry, because the police station's on fire, I heard. <laughs> Good, good. I remember that hearing that like for the first time in in the car with my mother going, oh, like and going, oh wow, they messed up. Like I don't know. I think I'm not sure whether I, I just. I mean, it's the endless novelty of hearing a mistake. It's like you know, it's just so so fun to always hear. And but I suppose also maybe modern radio is more slick. And they wouldn't, you know, but like just hearing, just just hearing, obviously, Peter Sellers go, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee that would have been that would have been cut if Milligan hadn't come back with such a strong. Oh, my God. Yeah. Reply. Such uh, a good, such a good comeback. <laughs> and the audience just just going. Hey. <laughs> I, I half expected because I did. I've got, you know, a copy of the original script and I half expected when I checked the script to see that that was actually scripted. 
Mm, um, yeah. I half expected it because you never know. I used I to know. like, um, I still do. I mean, I, just to wander off topic slightly, um, big fan of the, the TV show Bottom, Rick Mail. Oh, yeah. Aid Edmondson. Uh, and yeah, I used to love the young ones as well. Spy would be rolling his ground. I didn't like Rick Mail, but <laughs> no, but no, uh, oh, it's the shame. I know, I know, but, <laughs> but um, but no, I just used to, well, I used to watch the young ones on repeat. I don't know why, but yeah, Bottom as well, so good. Oh, yeah, and and um, I back in the day when it was videos, I used to get the videos of the live stage shows that they did in the, oh, in the yeah. 90s, and I used to think they were, I mean, they still do, they're still, I mean, they're. You wouldn't watch them with your gran, but you know they are yeah. um, rollicking, good fun, and you know full of the filthy and funny and all the rest of it, and and just yeah, totally uh, absurd. But um, very often there'd be at least one in in each stage show. There'd be at least one sequence where Rick would f- would would flub a line, uh, so, so they would come out of character as Rich and Eddie, and they would be. Rick and Aid sort yeah. of talking at each other and the audience yeah. would absolutely love it because oh look you know oh you know Rick's forgotten the line and Aid's pulled him up on it oh isn't that funny and then you'd find out hearing sort of you know people that had seen them in different seen the show in a different yeah. town that they did that every single performance oh yeah I remember seeing one particular I remember this because it was it's my hometown um that the, the, the um Aid says um or as I can't remember if it was as himself or as Eddie with it's like I was born in Southampton and I thought oh that's one of those ad libs and it, so so yeah so we have that that yeah. great recovery by Milligan and then we go into uh, the house that I mentioned the house them driving the house to Seagoon and the, yeah. oh the, that's the a, such a good mental image yeah um absolutely totally unnecessary but you know oh it's, yeah it's, but... it's great um they they also introduce for the first time the kind of I don't know what you'd call it, it's not really a catchphrase but the the repeated sequence where um Minnie and Henry would go morning, 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 yeah, morning. Yeah. Sorry, I know, I know. There's a rule not to impersonate, not rule. That's all right. That's all right. That's a good one. I don't mind that one because um, <laughs> I used, I say, I I used to say that. Oh, I kind of still do. You know, obviously, when you're when you when you listen to it as a kid, I suppose you know, if you know other people who know the Goon Show, you can do that to people, and they know exactly what you mean. But you know, when you're in secondary school, in like the 2010s you know yeah. <laughs> it's gonna know so you kind of keep it to yourself but occasionally you <laughs> I, I would use the odd gag from the goon show at school but bear in oh, mind um, I'm you know I was at school in the 80s and 90s um so it was a bit further back but I would use there were certain lines I can't give you a specific example but I would use certain lines uh, <laughs> my friends wouldn't know where the hell if it was suitably abusing then they would think I was a comic genius you know <laughs> um, and I wouldn't attribute it to Milligan um, but yeah no it wasn't in the script for this this whole morning morning sequence it wasn't in, it wasn't in the script so they just improvised that oh was that was that again was that the first yeah. time it had been used yes. oh wow I didn't realize yeah. that yeah so I don't know why they must have just decided you know maybe during Geldray's number let's uh, yeah. let's just uh, let's just do some improv well maybe i'm wondering whether and this is just pure speculation i'm wondering i presume because obviously you know they would rehearse they'd have a read through in the afternoon yeah. and, and then they'd have a rehearsal and then i think they'd have another rehearsal with the with the with the band i think yeah um and i'm just wondering and presumably tom would be 
Tom, the producer, would be uh, there, you know, frowning with his arms <laughs> crossed, um, <laughs> deeply, deeply disapproving. Can't be doing with the sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm wondering whether, you know, if, he, if he'd, he'd already said to Spike, right, well, I'm going to cut this bit out and cut that bit out. And Spike may be compensated for those cuts by including these bits, these extended sort of morning Bits, maybe I don't know. Could be. I mean, um, it's made made of endless catchphrase. It's just yeah. a fun thing to say. Yeah, we have these this this bit with the the, the quite clever little sound gag about Henry with his fingers in his ears. Oh, I love that. For some reason, I don't know. I can't think of anywhere else where they've kind of that's been because it's something that you just do. Some especially when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you can't just test. You know, you're doing stuff when like um you know just moving things out of your ears. You can't just hearing just like. Yeah, you know, but I could you could picture. I I remember the first time I ever heard it. I could picture, I could in my I had this I had this mental image of Henry Crun or my you know the image I have of what Henry Crun looks like in my mind, which I don't think I could actually describe in words. I I always find that like I have an image, but I can't fully articulate what it is. It's kind of like a vague approximation of a person. (laughs) <laughs> like a like a gas or something yes uh, rather than an actual uh, with like yeah yeah the only one i can probably picture is that is that particular illustrated version of moriarty that's like has the big hat and all in shadow yeah that's the only what time i like apart from Eccles, the illustration matches how i see them but anyway yeah i grip pipe thin i always assumed kind of looked more or less like he looked in some of the script drawings that they would do to yeah um, even the telegoons um yeah it's like on cheekbone kind of yeah i always imagined him in a in a three-piece suit and oh always relatively even if it's slightly tattered and covered in bin juice but <laughs> <laughs> yeah talk tall and almost like um a christopher lee kind of yeah seagoon i can seagoon looks more or less you know i just imagine him to look like a variation of harry seacom oh always <laughs> <laughs> and so we had that sequence with the with the the fingers and the ears and then there's this there's like you said earlier there's a very clear cut all right well, let's have fingers in your ears henry oh all right all right go on baby all right huh? the robbery's been done everyone will be so much about and come I'm running I don't but I, I, I can't get my uh, but I think I, dear listeners this disjointed conversation is being caused by Mr. Crun moving his fingers in and out of his ears <laughs> thereby causing an intermittent break in sound <laughs> um, but there is a bit that was in the script that I presume they must have recorded and then that just got chopped out um, mm. where they talk about um, <laughs> they talk about a shape in Henry Crun's trousers. Um, oh dear, of course. <laughs> uh, and, um, and there's a reference to um, uh, John Foster Dulles, who was a, uh, was he American Senator? I think. I have um, no idea. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, uh, I think his brother was instrumental in, creating the cia or maybe he was i'm not quite sure oh. but uh, but anyway that was cut out and then uh we get to grip by moriarty at the cliffs of dover um and again cut out from the recording was uh 
Moriarty's saying, Grip Pipe, they've spotted us. And Grip Pipe says, it'll brush off. Okay, because obviously, yeah, there's seagulls. So Oh, um, right. Yeah. So <laughs> so Tom cut that out as well. For God's um, sake. Yeah. So it's all these and, and but as a fun, Tom. <laughs> there's no finesse to these cuts, is there? No, it's it's really rough. Yes, and so we've got we get blood knock now. I'm not quite sure. Again, I think it's Blood Knock's just here really because he's not been in the episode so far and they just feel they need to include him. Yeah, um, I don't know where he is. Like, no. he seems to be in a house. No, he's just there. He's just, there. He's, just, he's, just he's, he's just appeared. Yeah. Um, but not sure. I'm not quite sure what his role is. Is he the Coast Guard they mention? I don't know. I really don't Because he's in a boat later. He just turns <laughs> up for just a, a, fun, a fun scene. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is totally um, unrelated to what's what we've heard before or what, what is yet to come, really. But mm. we have this, what must have taken ages for them to record and re-record and sort of overlay and overdub. Um, yeah. We've got Eccles singing A Good King Wenceslas. And it it's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's weird. It's funny. And also, <laughs> I, I like how some, some of the backing track he's actually singing it rather well he is the, <laughs> he's the like last in a final note. note he just has mm. like a little 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 note at the end nice and also as a first ever listen what an entrance for um for for both blood knock and eccles <laughs> you never seen he's ever heard it apart from like one line at the beginning yeah which it wasn't meant to be eccles was it <laughs> <laughs> no at the beginning yeah, there's there's then the the uh, uh, the amusing uh, interplay with Bloodknock and Eccles. Christmas uh, is gone. Yeah, penny for the guy. Even a penny for the guy probably gets lost by like American and most international listeners because yeah, quite an obscure thing. See, we had here's the thing, right? Um, it's a good opportunity for me to talk about myself, which I never like to do. Okay, <laughs> um, but I grew up in New Zealand, as you're sure you know, and. Um, we we celebrated Guy Fawkes there. Oh, really? Um, That's interesting. We certainly did when I was a kid. I don't know if they still do, but um, but all that all it involved it was really just an excuse to let, uh, let off fireworks. That was all. Oh yeah, always. We literally what we use it for: <laughs> setting um, things on fire. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I only knew of the whole sort of penny for the guy and this sort of image of urchins pushing a shopping trolley with a stuffed dummy. Yeah, I haven't seen one in years. I've only I, I only ever knew that from reading British comics when I was a kid, like Wizard uh, and Chips. I hope things. I hope like it doesn't die out as a thing because it is a rather nice little tradition. You're just building a scarecrow and like asking for a couple of pence to buy like some stuff from you know charity shop or something to yes to, to make. But like for I don't know, you know that kind of thing post pandemic, people don't really carry money. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then we get, um, so, you know, we've got the Blood Knock and, and Echo sequence, and then we have Ray Ellington's song, and then and then we get Seagoon and, uh, and and Grip Pipe and Moriarty and all the rest of it, and then Blue Bottle turns up. Now, <laughs> um, it, it, I like the fact that, so Blue Bottle is a stowaway, and he's been hiding in Moriarty's trousers. And um, I love the way he he says, "I'll come out," and he lowers his, he he reads his stage directions as he always does, and he says, as usual. Uh, "Lowers flap of Moriarty's trousers, steps out, waits for audience applause, and he gets applause." And then he says, "Not enough." I say, "I'm glad he didn't get." I mean, it was a bit of a gamble because he could have, you know, he he could have got a huge standing ovation by the studio audience, <laughs> in which case that would have that would have put paid to you know the gag. 
um, that he's bought his own record of clapping. Um, okay, here's a good opportunity to ask because Blue Bottle is often the, the character that people cite as their favorite. So who is your favorite character? I have very, I love them all in varying ways, but I have to say Blood Knock, which is weird. I know, I don't think, I'm not quite sure if you've had anyone say Blood Knock yet. Yeah, um, a couple. Oh, you have? Oh, that's yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think even when I first listened to it before I ever knew who the characters really were, I just, I liked, I liked his voice. I like, I like the voice and the, the funny sounds. And I don't know, his weird attitude. I always think that Blood Knock is very like, he's almost like a Groucho Marx kind of thing. He's like someone who is randomly, he's like wandered in, put on a hat and people have just assumed he's in charge occasionally, mm -hmm. depending on what the role is. He just kind of sat, he's like, he's just like, you know, like a guy who's just wandered into this, uh, into a, into a major general's office, put on a, put on the hat and someone's walked in and gone, you're in charge. You're like, oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. you know, a varying between being either a womanizer or obsessed with money. It depends on what the episode calls for. But well, he's a, he's, I think his true love is money. But he's a, cha <laughs> he's a chancer and he's a scoundrel. Oh, yeah. We love him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But I, I love like, you know, I grew up with Moriarty. I love their whole I, I love the whole thing. I love occasionally when Grip Pipe like loses his cool, like um, in uh, the Fireball of Milton Street, where like at the very end he actively panics, and it's just like it's rare to hear him be flappable. <laughs> and I just I love I just yeah. You, well, you, yeah. Hear, you hear that at the end of um, the Great Bank Robbery when they yes, the and it's just like the fire. <laughs> yes, it's, it's such a guy. I just I don't I don't know. I just love hearing characters occasionally just break their role and like but i love i just i love them all like there's only i can't think of many characters i don't actively enjoy but i will always kind of smile when i hear the blood knock theme right okay i don't know why i just like i just like you know i just like it it's just kind of like oh blood knock <laughs> absolutely we then i want to get to the bit with so we, we get um mr Banerjee and mr laukaka now mm -hmm. in the the uh, episode that I'm used to hearing the the show that would have been sent out you know the, the transcription services version yeah um, more or less everything involving those two characters was chopped oh okay um, but in the broadcast version there was quite an extended sequence with the two of them just talking to each other um, yes I'm not quite sure I can't remember exactly how long the talking is but I know that there I was listening to it earlier to prepare and um, I think it's Spike messes up a line there I'm waiting for the London European Hendon developer to work work on a type of film but I tell you what I've got I've got I got a revolutionary type dark room what have you got no light in it I meant to say it's got a light in it, but I kill the joke by saying no light in it. But then we mysterious Orientals. What? What is that? Thanks for even funny. Yeah. What are you calling But they, I mean, those those two characters. Yeah, they're they're fine. They're fine. They they're, they're never going to be anyone's favourites. I guess. I think that I I did watch an interview with some with with with, with um. Harry and Spike, and I think Harry said at some point that they that he really enjoyed them, okay. which is nice that they get some love. But yeah, okay. okay <laughs> um, I think Spike in that same interview, Spike said Blood Knock was his favorite. Oh, yes, nice. I, I think so. Well, Eccles as well. I think he's. I think oh, yeah, Eccles of course, Eccles. Um, but no, I think I also read somewhere that 
that they blood milk was partially based on a very friendly general that they had in the concert party yeah that was like quite supportive of them sellers sellers used to impersonate a oh yeah the, a lot yeah. of the um the the colonels and generals and majors and whatnot so yeah uh, he's, he was a, a composite character based on on characters that real life characters that, that they'd encountered yeah um, now um we're getting to, to towards the end of the show and it's i mean the show look there's no there's no plot really is there the, no. the, the, the string has been forgotten about more or less <laughs> oh um, long though. um but there's the there's there's possibly the most for this show possibly the most sort of infamous alteration to the script which is when they're talking about um they uh, the the house number <laughs> look the number of the house is 66 fairy cake lane <laughs> that will change <laughs> arrest all houses with that address wait 66 fairy cake lane that's where henry cran lives and seagoon in the script the original script is written uh, Seagun says, look, the number of the house is 66 Minger Lane. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and by all accounts, Tom Ronald insisted that that be changed. And I don't know who decided, but they they changed it to 66 Fairy Cake Lane. I know. And you could just hear the disbelief in, in like Peter Sellers' voice when he says it as blood like 66 Lane. That's been changed. Like, what? Uh, I, I just wonder, and maybe this is overthinking it. Well, no, there's no maybe about it. I'm overthinking it. But who decided on fairy cake? It's, it's, it was, it's either comically serious, like like whoever edited it put it in, or Spike went, okay, you want the sanitizers you want? Then I'm going to put the most sweet, flowery, inoffensive name possible, and it's going to be ridiculous. It could be either one. <laughs> You're probably right. It's just it's just the reaction. It's almost like it's the first time they've read. Oh, I'm pr- it, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they read <laughs> Minja Lane in, in the rehearsal and then they quickly just scribbled it over <laughs> in between and then recording. <laughs> I know, obviously, Minja is, is one way of reading it, but it, was like, it could also be Minga. Because that's quite a northern thing. Could but it be. could be the obviously the ruder version is the funnier one. So to, I'm to, assuming it's the, the former rather than the latter. The ruder. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's an interesting little because it's obviously been kept you, the, that little bit of slight departure from the script by them sort of reacting to it. It's a nice little sort of artifact of Oh yeah. I I just love any any time where they mess up a mess up the script or just laugh or just corpse during a thing or like lose the lose the page of the script and one of them says in character with page five <laughs> yeah I just love all yeah. of that absolutely just... absolutely and then of course we, we get to the payoff of the end and there isn't really a proper end as there never, never <laughs> tends to be many shows in series eight ended with variations of the line it's all in the mind it's all in the know? mind you know yeah which is which is essentially what Crun says and we have the the end um so it's a very enjoyable with Harry show. screaming, "Who wrote this script?" <laughs> yeah, yes, um, very enjoyable show, despite everything, despite the obstacles. Um, yeah, it just makes it more rant. Like the the the, the plot gets so chopped and changed that it's just kind of various scenes that just kind of run together. But that just makes it more enjoyable in ways. It's just the the, chaos, the glorious chaos. <laughs> yeah, um, you you might be surprised to know that. Um, Tom Ronald was swiftly replaced um, <laughs> and uh, Charles Chilton returned to the fold 
to yeah. produce most of the remaining episodes. Of. I wonder whether it was um, the, whether it was Spike and, and the others putting their foot down, or whether he just went, "I'm not dealing with this anymore." <laughs> well, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that it would have been a particularly um, harmonious Sunday recording session. Oh no, Milligan and Sellers particularly. You can imagine them both being pretty um, hostile. To, oh yeah, uh, Milligan particularly. And, oh, if, sure. and if Tom wasn't a fan of the show anyway, then it's it kind of been pleasant. It's like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so Molly, thank you very much. Obviously, we've we've kind of talked about the string robberies um, yeah. in, in a roundabout way, and we've we've looked at all the cuts and and whatnot. Um, is there anything else about the show or the Goon Show itself that you want to bring up? Well, it's like it's just it's interesting being a young a younger goon fan because I know, and especially when and Jane Milligan was came on the, the podcast and talking about how Spike's kind of been fading out of about the consciousness of society. Obviously, you know, you 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 see things just out in the general zeitgeist, like people saying the dreaded lurgy, or even like calling COVID the dreaded, like you know, yeah. or just various illnesses yes. and like how. I know there's arguments about whether or not it existed as a phrase before the goons or whether that like, you know, it's like as an army bit of slang. But the fact is that I, th- I, I have spoken to some people, some online friends who live in America and Canada and they, their, their, their parents say they got the lurgy and they've never heard of the goon show. I've heard of some people saying, oh, I've heard my parents say that or something, you know, it's like, it's, it's rather impressive. Uh, but also the, um, being a younger goon fan, I always want to, talk to people about my, my own age kind of you know and it's surprising actually I have mentioned a couple of people the goons and they have heard of them or like you know they've gone oh my granddad used to listen to that I know who they are and it's just funny that like I don't think it's dying obviously you know among like the popular youth you know like you know you want to you know <laughs> get off my lawn but like um <laughs> but you know like I don't know but they know but you know there's there are people who still know about it and I've ended up introducing some people like I know some people some friends online who live in America and and I I mentioned the goons to them and they're already fans of old Hollywood like we you know like yeah. we just discuss like yeah. Lauren Hardy and like um Bob Hope and you know all that kind of you know all those kind of people and they um and they'll hate me they'll hate me for saying Bob Hope but anyway um they um <laughs> But they, um, you know, the other American, more American centric. I mentioned the goons and a couple of them listened to it. And now they're like drawing fan art of it. They love Neddy and Moriarty, especially like you'd expect them to love Blue Bottle. Wow. And, but the okay. Eccles, Neddy and Moriarty are their favorites. They, they love them. And they, so they, 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 they draw fan art and they just kind of we just talk about it and like make up silly ideas and like you know, just it's just. So I was trying to kind of keep the legacy going as as That's small amazing. as I can. That's amazing. That's great. You're you're keeping you're fighting the good fight. Um, yeah, and I'm also looking forward to seeing Spike the play soon because I wasn't able to see it at the Watermill, and oh, now yes. I'm so I'm going to go and see that when it comes to Salisbury because it's the closest they're coming. <laughs> great. So, great. And I'm going to yeah. be probably the youngest person in the audience and the person who's most enthusiastic. <laughs> But uh, yes, and look, I'm really glad that you are, as I say, you know, as you say, spreading the word and, and introducing it to new generations in your own in your own way, your own small way. Mm. Just like this podcast, I'd like to think is is hopefully maybe going to pick up a few new fans of the oh, show. Oh yeah, I mean that's, that's the entire reason why I started listening to them again because I found your podcast because it's just really good. It's not like you know, you know, there are some podcasts out there where someone just 
you I know you've tweeted about it this there's some people who have no idea what they're talking about just kind of just blathering on about you know having watched something for the first time and going oh I hate right I listen to a lot of podcasts as I'm sure you do um (laughs) if I hear one where it's it generally tends to be a group of men um it doesn't have to be younger men it can be you know out of any age men with beards men with beards and if they're talking about a movie and it will be um, an hour of them basically just going, oh, and I, and what's, you know, and he, and he said this and, and I didn't understand why he said that and why did he do that and what's all that about and what the hell does that mean? And oh, what, it looks old. What, yeah, and it was so slow and I was like, I'll oh, just <laughs> piss off. <you> know. <laughs> um, Molly, it's been really enjoyable, really good to have um, you on the show, someone who is... Um, like by your own admission, you know, you, you, you certainly didn't grow up listening to the goons um, first time <laughs> round um, and you haven't heard them all, but you came across them by accident and you are helping to keep them alive. And yeah. I just think that that is wonderful. Um, your enthusiasm shines through and um, it's been a real pleasure having you on today. It's been it's been lovely to be on the first ever podcast, <laughs> the podcast episodes. It'll be, it'll be fun. This is your first podcast that you've done. Um, probably by this time next year, you'll have your own podcast. <laughs> that's, that's normally how it works. Thanks again to Molly. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, all the usual places. Uh, please follow on uh, Facebook. We have a group there, GoonPod, a podcast about the goons. Uh, getting more and more uh, people joining the Facebook group, which is really gratifying as well. So, um, yeah, please, more, the, the more the merrier. Um, I'll be back next week with another episode until then take it easy enjoy the heat see you later